to you live from Race City, USA. It's Blind Spotting, the NASCAR podcast from a fresh, personal, and blue collar take. Race reviews, race previews, the latest news, and more. And now, your hosts, Michael Colbert, Andrew Coates, and Travis Sherry. All right, and welcome back to Blind Spotting. Here we are in the Cottle Creek compound on Highway 3, running between Moylesville, North Carolina, Race City, USA, and Kannapolis, K-Town, home of the wonders. And it is a wondrous occasion here because we're back recording. We are back! We are back! For session number four of Blind Spotting, we appreciate you joining us for another week. Hopefully everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, uh, did some awesome things, or maybe you just hung out at home with your family and, and just enjoyed the time that you had with your family. Hope everybody's doing well, healthy. We uh, It's good to be back. Good to be back. And uh, as always, joined by Andrew Coates and Travis Sherrill. Good to see you boys back this week. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we're always gonna hang out. Yeah, good to be back. Ready to uh, dive into some of the off-season news here. Yeah, you know, guys, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, hope everybody had a happy and safe Thanksgiving. We're glad to be back. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, we were away last week, and, you know, around a holiday, you would think that the news cycle would slow down, uh, but that is not the case at all. So, you know, we got stuff to talk about. That's right. We That's certainly right. do. So we're going to start uh, the same way we left off last time with some Jimmy Johnson news. Uh, he finished up his uh, full-time NASCAR racing career at the, at Phoenix with that fifth fifth place finish, and uh, he received yet another accolade recently. Uh, Travis, you want to tell us a little more about uh, the most recent way that Jimmy Johnson number seven was honored. Sure, Michael. It was announced today that Jimmy has been uh, named the 2020 recipient of the Myers Brothers Award. And this is uh, one of the most prestigious awards uh, that is given out by the National Motorsports Press Association. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. And, uh, you know, happy for Jimmy. And they have a luncheon of sorts, too, with that, don't they? Do they get to pick, do the uh, recipients get to pick the meal like the winners of the Masters do? You know, I don't think so. The, uh, the luncheon is typically held um, the day before the awards banquet. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen this year uh, due to COVID. But, um, you know, just, a, just another accolade for Jimmy and what has been a storied NASCAR career. What do you guys think you would pick for the, for the menu, being Wouldn't, out there in <clears throat> El, El Cajon? California. I don't know. It probably wouldn't be collard greens. Probably um, not. Watermelon or oranges. Oh, what do they grow out there? A lot of yeah. soybeans. <laughs> Maybe. Sounds I, like I there'd think, be some enchiladas. Something spicy. Yeah. Jimmy's pretty spicy on the racetrack. It might as well be that way at a luncheon as well. Well, I think that this, you know, this award is so much of what Jimmy has meant to the sport is not going to be realized. I think until long after he's walked away from IndyCar and. I think this is yeah. a nice crowning achievement and a good good pat on the back and said, you know, job well done. Yeah, and I'm not 100% sure, guys, that he's done racing in NASCAR. Um, I, I, I don't know anything, but um, I, I wonder, you know, the Daytona 500 is coming up and Jimmy's driving for Ganassi in 
the IndyCar series this year. And we'll get to it later, but a, a, another NASCAR team has formed an alliance with Chip Ganassi Racing, Spire Motorsports. They have an opening in one of their cars that they're going to run multiple drivers in, mm-hmm. it seems, this year. And you wonder if Jimmy Johnson would run either the Daytona 500 or a certain number of races that do not conflict with his IndyCar schedule. Yeah, and he might come in as a fill-in role like uh, Gordon did a few years ago when uh, Art Hart was dealing with the head issues and uh, Gordon came in and raced the uh, number 88 for a number of races. Uh, it could be something you know, something like that. You never know, uh, but I'm sure that no one would turn away the offer. Uh, Jimmy Johnson came and knocking well, or calling on the door, but could be something over um, within in the... Uh, <clears throat> and with Hendrick or with anybody else, I mean, he's kind of open. His options are open. And I wonder if Spire, if they're really trying to build something, you know, personally, if I was Jimmy, I'd want to run Road America and Circuit of the Americas for sure. That's the first time the Cup Series mm-hmm. have been to those two tracks. And if you're looking for somebody to work with young drivers, I mean, who's better than the seven-time champ to come in and say, you know, here's how you get around these places. So <clears throat> I, I think I think you could see him at super speedways. I think you might see him at a couple of the road courses. Well, and we'll move on after this point, but and I, I don't think this has anything to do with anything, but it just popped in my head as we were talking about it. You know, if Jimmy goes and runs some races for Spire, their other driver, who we'll get to in a minute, Corey LaJoy, if you'll remember at the Hall of Fame uh, last year, he actually wrote a letter to Rick Hendrick kind of putting a bug in his ear that he would like to drive that 48 car. Obviously, it didn't happen, um, but there is there's there's a little bit of history there. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Yeah, and it, I think um, I think 24 has got one more year to kind of prove himself. There might be another open seat at Hendrick in 2022. Yeah, could be. Um, so let's shift gears, and we're going to shift gears back to we've already mentioned and and teased a little bit, uh, talking, mentioning LaJoy, and we'll talk to him. Let's, but let's open up with uh, something we, when we wanted to do this uh, this podcast to make us a little more unique, uh, unique and special things, our favorite things about certain tracks. So we're going to spend a few minutes in Bristol this week to uh, kind of kick off the second part of the show before we get back into the news. So just favorite things about Bristol. We've been there several times. I, I don't know how many times over the years. Uh, we didn't go for the longest time, and then we've kind of started going, and it's become sort of an annual event until at least during the summer, and then we went to the fall race. Uh, it's the only race we're able to go to this year. So favorite things about Bristol, um, it's just a, a very – when you come around, coming into the track from one other, whatever direction you're coming in, you, it's, it's kind of, you understand why they call it Thunder Valley. And you've got, you kind of come around the mountain or come around the bend and boom, there it is. Just sitting right there like a, just a, a jewel, a crown in, in the valley. And it's just an impressive sight. And you're just, and it, it truly is the, the, the mid, the, um, the, the jumbotron they have in the middle, they call it the Colossus and it's the last Colosseum. And it truly does kind of have that effect when you're walking and you have to walk up to it. It's, it's got the ramps. You kind of have to walk up to it and you have to approach it. And, um, it's just, uh, and, and, and when you're in there, it's, uh, it's it, the guys are in there. It's kind of like a bull ring and they're just going around and around and all kinds of stuff is, uh, but at Bristol, you, you guy really, it's hard or, you got, or woman, uh, a little bit of damage doesn't necessarily take them uh, out of the race or, and it certainly doesn't, uh, doesn't mean that they can't win 
later. So it's just the, the whole atmosphere. Uh, I enjoy uh, being there. There's just something about uh, being at Bristol. You know, it's, it's Bristol, baby. No other, no other place like it. Uh, Travis, uh, what are your thoughts on Bristol? A couple of things here. One is that the night race at Bristol is like nothing you'll ever experience. Uh, in normal times, we always like to get in the track early because driver introductions at Bristol are like no other. Uh, I think back a couple of years ago, um, you know, we, we, we were there and they had, they do this every year, but it's always interesting as the driver comes out, they get to pick the song that they're introduced by. Mm-hmm. And that's always interesting because it gives you an idea of either what the driver is like or maybe they let their kids pick their song. And that's always fun. Uh, the second thing that I'll say about Bristol is when we were there, not this fall, which we that was the only race we got to go to. So that's another cool thing about Bristol. Um, but when we were there in 2019 in the fall, we actually got to go down on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. And you... Folks, if you've never been to Bristol, the television does not do the banking at Bristol justice. (laughs) You you can try. I I know I tried to stand up at the top. I didn't even make it 25% of the way up. You can't do it. Yeah, and in the steepest parts, they've actually got you know personnel there to keep you from going much higher because you'll get to and you'll like fall back on yourself. It's that yes, it's that steep. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a cool experience. That was awesome. We get, we all got to sign the, uh, start finish, the, the start line. finish line mm-hmm. and we had our kids, uh, with us and, the, uh, that was uh, definitely a special, special memory. And I'm, I'll say this, the other cool thing that I enjoy about Bristol is we, we make a weekend out of it. You know, we, we go up typically on Friday, go to the Xfinity race, and then we have all day Saturday to hang out, to tailgate, to spend time with each other. And it's just, it's just fun. I mean, it's, it's just fun. Yeah. And I, I think for me, having watched Daryl and Labonte and Earnhardt and those guys in the late eighties up through the late nineties, you know, <clears throat> that August race was always the highlight of the schedule, right? It was always going to be good racing. And the first time you go there and, and if there's any baseball fans, if you ever go to Dodger Stadium, it's similar to uh, it. It sort of sits up on this little knob, and at Dodger Stadium, you you walk in and you, and you come in way up above the field, and and the same thing is true of Bristol. You you come in and if you walk straight through uh, and out, you actually look out over the track. It's it's down in a hole, mm-hmm. and and then you put 160,000 people in there, and it's the fifth largest city in Tennessee. And you you end up 130 decibels for four hours. Mm-hmm. It, it shakes the whole place. Uh, it, it's such a there's always something to watch. I mean, it becomes a conveyor belt in less than ten laps, and uh, there's comers and goers. I think the stage racing has actually made it better because in a lot of races you got that green flag look for a couple hundred laps, got a little boring. Uh, not in person, but especially on television. I just think there's a lot of things that make it good. And, and uh, now that they've put that PJ1 down and there's sort of multiple lanes and you can you can run the top or you can run the bottom, you can watch guys work different lines and it's not just the, uh, the follow the leader that it was a few years ago. We weren't there in the spring, but the, the race that they held there in May, 
I thought was one of the better races of the entire season. Uh, you had crashes, you had beating and banging, you had good racing, you had guys fighting for the lead. You had a little bit of everything. And, you know, if you didn't like that race, you know, you're not a NASCAR fan. Yeah, and, and there's, I think a lot of times too, it it, it allows drivers that are talented, you know, Matty D, couple years ago right i mean he, he darn near won that race and uh it was quite unpopular when he didn't no man uh but he led a lot of that and, and you know you go to these mile and a half and and it's all about the arrow and the wind tunnel and and the, the large teams but the thing that's neat about bristol is guys with some talent have a chance to, sh- to jump up there and run in the top 10 all night and uh, if they keep their nose clean and stay out of trouble they got a chance for a decent finish and uh you know it, it's kind of fun to watch some different guys run up front yeah, and it's a it's a cool town to visit as well. Um, you can kind of down Main Street there. You can you know Bristol is split between two states, uh, Virginia and Tennessee. So you can actually go down through the middle of Main Street and stand in both states at one time. They've got little um, uh, markers going right down the center lane. That on one side of the street you're in Tennessee, the other side you're in Virginia. There's some country music history there as well, and. Uh, I tell you, and I, I'd never been in a food city before we uh, had traveled to Bristol, and I can't think of the town we stopped on the way, Kulawachi or Kenyasichi or Kenesaga, Kenny Rogers, something like, something like that. Thank you. Um, but food cities are awesome. You know, they've got some great deals. Uh, we couldn't find a crispy country, country chicken, uh, but we found some good chicken at the food city. And, yeah. ni- and nice folks, too, with the smile on your face. And the, we got a little gold card. And we felt real special right there in uh, in Bristol. And I look forward to going back. I can't, we can recommend, though, that if you decide to camp, mm. uh, definitely get hookups. <laughs> yeah, don't do it in a horse trailer like with, we did that one time. With no hookups for three days in the rain. So uh, yeah. that's a story for another day. You, you betcha. That's for uh, that's for our late night listeners. We'll get into that. Um, we'll just let me just say one more thing about Bristol, and then we and then we can move on. Uh, the, and, and you can challenge me on this on Twitter if you like. Uh, but the coolest road name in all of our oh travels that we have gone to. This might be. I don't know if I can say oh, this or can. not. Oh, you can say uh, it. But they they actually have a road as you're heading into the track. And the road is called Sweet Knobs. You bet it is. <laughs> Sweet Knobs. Sweet Knobs. It's it's awesome. It's, and it's uh, yeah, and it, and it uh, intersects with Copperhead Lane. So. Yes, Copperhead Road. Yes. Got to watch out for my Copperhead and my Sweet Knobs. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's a that's a dangerous mix. But yes. a, but a lovely sweet mix as well. Yes, yeah, Sweet Knobs. We always look forward to the Sweet Knobs in Bristol, Virginia, and uh, Tennessee as well. And we're not just talking about the uh, beautiful mountain peaks. Uh, and lots of sweet knobs go around in Bristol. But anyway, again, that's more on our late night edition. And you mentioned our, our Twitter feed, um, and that is at Blind Spotting NASCAR, capital N A S C A R, at Blind Spotting NASCAR. Uh, so check us out on the Twitter and tweet us, and we'll, we'll tweet you right back. All right, moving on to Cup Series news. We have mentioned Corey LaJoy several times. He is slated to drive the number seven car for Spire Motorsports. Two, uh, one of the two cars that Spire is going to field in the 2021 season. The other is a number, the number 77 car, which we mentioned is going to be open to several different drivers. Interesting thing here, Spire is 
purchasing assets and kind of taking over the Levine family racing uh, shop as well. So they're kind of purchasing some parts, moving in. And so Levine family is going to kind of transform into Spire Racing. So they are, uh, they have some high aspirations uh, for their, thank you. It's terrible. (laughs) Thank you. I, I, Come on, guys, a little bit of credit, a little bit of applause. Thank you. That wasn't a pun. It was two-thirds of a pun. P-U. That was me letting one, letting Andrew out. Uh, But anyway, um, so uh, Corey LaJoy, uh, does he have a chance? Is he going to turn his uh, career? Not not that it's been a terrible career. I'm not saying that. But uh, he's certainly looking for more wins than he currently has. Is he going to find those wins at Spire Motorsports? Well, I, I think it's interesting when he was with <clears throat> Go Fast the first year. I mean, he couldn't keep it out of the fence, and uh, he didn't go far. No, he did not. He didn't go fast either. But uh, you know, last year I think he, you know, I think he probably ran better than his equipment. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, Levine Family Racing with Christopher Bell. I mean, he's a known talent. They ran adequately, I think, probably as well as they've run. Uh, I don't know that they ran any better or worse than they did with. Um, De Benedetto was there, right? In the 95? The, yes. Yeah. So, you know, Bell didn't outperform De Benedetto, uh, but, you know, so we'll see if those assets and that technical knowledge transfers to LaJoy. Um, I mean, it's still not a mid to front team, you know? I mean, it's not like you're going to see Corey LaJoy in the top 15 or 20 much. Uh, he's going to probably be towards the end of the lead lap. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Spires, you know, those technical alliances are going to, pay off but uh it certainly hasn't you know they seem to be one of the six or seven cars that even though they've they've got a full-time charter they they tend to run multiple laps down well a couple things here to keep in mind one is that for the first two years keep in mind spire motorsports has a victory to their credit albeit a range shortened win by justin haley in the july race at daytona a couple of years ago um but Keep in mind that the seven car that Corey LaJoy is going to be driving, they're going to have cars from Chip Ganassi Racing, and they're going to have engines from Hendrick Motorsports, or the new Hendrick Childers engine, the the new Chevy engine uh, compilation. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind is the first two years uh, that Spire was in existence they they ran uh jay robinson who's been a long time owner in the sport they ran out of his you know under his guidance and you know he hasn't he's he's a guy that loves the sport uh but jay hasn't had a lot of success in nascar and so i think when you look at who they're getting cars from and who they're getting engines from do I expect him to win? No. Do I expect him to compete for uh, top 10s? Maybe. Top 20s? Possible. Uh, and the other thing to keep in mind, and this is just kind of interesting to me, uh, if you have a an alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing, watch out, because Spire is out for your charter. Uh I'm speaking specifically of 2311 Racing with Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan, and Bubba Wallace, of course. Uh, But the 77 car that has a charter, that charter was purchased uh, from Furniture Row Racing. 
and Barney Visser, who had an alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing. And then, like uh, like we talked about a minute a minute ago, the uh, charter for the seven car was purchased from Levine Family Racing. So that's just an interesting nugget. I don't think there's anything to it, but it it is interesting. That is a wow! I I just sit and watch in awe of your uh, your knowledge, and you keep. Well, he didn't think there was anything to Bill winning in '88 and his son winning with all of that uh, Dodgers Lakers thing. And let's just watch out, old Jordan. That's right. Let's just watch out. So, in other Cup series, uh, we've got uh, um, well, IndyCar and uh, Cup series information. Uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, splitting uh, the ride with Tony Kanaan. Uh, next year and then uh as mentioned or colleague racing was mentioned looking to run a full-time cup schedule in 2022 uh in the xfinity series uh aj almendinger uh to return at colleague racing running a full season there um and the one back to the indy any car with um kanan and jimmy johnson that's gonna be racing out of the uh, Ganassi uh, shop, and um, and then we've got uh, also an Xfinity Series news: the uh, Santino Ferrucci IndyCar. He's an IndyCar man, uh, looking to uh, maybe run at the Bristol Dirt Race or at the Roval. Uh, to I could definitely see how the the Bristol choice is interesting. I'm not sure how the IndyCar skills are going to transfer to a dirt race um, at Bristol, but I could definitely see how they would transfer to your, your race at the Roval, um, for sure. So, um, so that's the rest of the cup and the Xfinity series. You guys want to chime in on any, anything I just mentioned? I think the Ferrucci thing is a little interesting. He, he is a driver that was in overseas. He, he ran formula two for a couple of years and then came back to Indy series. He's, he's been average. He's, he's, he's been 13th and 12th in the points. So, I mean, he's middle of the pack. Uh, I'm again, I, I agree with you. I don't know where those dirt skills are going to come from. Maybe, maybe he, he grew up racing on dirt in the early days. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but I also think it's interesting that, uh, now that, that, uh, speaking of Kanan, you know, he's going to do the ovals, which he's been doing ovals, uh, in the past, uh, for, for Chip Ganassi, and he's going to split that ride with Jimmy. But I think what's, what's really interesting is the, is the colleague situation. So obviously they've been a pretty strong organization in the last couple of years in the Xfinity series. 16 car with Almondinger coming back now full time in every race he ran last year with a couple of exceptions they were a they were a threat to win now granted the Xfinity series had a fair number of road courses that he ran and we he, we know he ran well in the cup cup series at, the, at those I think he has to be considered a title favorite if not the title favorite uh for Xfinity uh and you know, with him and Haley, they've got a couple of good options uh, looking for that full-time ride in, in 22. But, um, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to certainly be interesting. I, I think you're looking at Almendinger and, uh, and the 22 car and maybe the 11 as the three favorites for next year. But am I, am I missing anybody there, Travis? Is there somebody else in the Xfinity series that I'm, I'm missing there? Uh, the only person I would throw in there maybe is the 7 of Allgaier and the 20 of Harrison Burton. Oh, I forgot about Burton, yeah. Um, but, you know, the Ferrucci news... Eh, you know, it's hard for me to get excited about, um, you know, guys coming over from IndyCar or from Formula One or whatever, because 95% of them have fizzled out. Even Juan Pablo Montoya. Even, was a even Montoya. One, I mean, and, you know, so, yeah, great. Come over, run a race or two, but I, I don't I don't think it's that big a deal, um, you know, mm-hmm. now. 
you can come talk to me in five years when he wins a championship or wins a race or whatever, but I don't think that's a big deal. Um, Travis the, throwing the gauntlet down. Well, I was, I like I was going to ask Travis, yeah. do you do you think he looks at um, Cendric and says, you know, here's a guy that came up very similar to me and de- decided not to go the IndyCar route, came over to NASCAR, struggled a little bit his first year, but last year, mm-hmm. I mean... It's a career year. I mean, here's. Sure. I mean, Ferrucci's 22. He's had two middling seasons in IndyCar. Is he testing the waters here, or you think this is just because he's young, he wants to go out and try something? I think it's probably just because he's young and wants to try something. I could be wrong. You know, he's 22, and there aren't many 22 year olds that are having success in IndyCar. Well, that's fair. And so <laughs> Scott Dixon's what 42, 43. <laughs> yeah, and so I think you know. I'll use Michael as an example. For those of you that don't know, Thank you. Um, Michael's an assistant principal. And, you know, Michael didn't come straight out of college and right into an assistant principal job. You know, so you have to kind of... Work your way up. You, you have to work your way up and take your lumps, as And then fill some things out and decide, what, what do I want to do? Exactly. What, what do I want to do? Well, what, and, what do you want to do? And, and, and it takes a while. The only person that's really come over successful out of IndyCar and been successful right out of the gate in NASCAR with Stewart. Yes. But let's be fair, because back in those days, IndyCar was split in half. They mm-hmm. were only running ovals, essentially, in the old IRL. Now, Tony won the title, but um, it was not against the Paul Tracy's and, and, and Alan Sir Jr. in his career. Those guys that were the real cream of the crop, mm-hmm. they were all in cart. And so, since it's been reunified, however long that's been, I don't. I agree. I don't. I don't know that you're going to see guys come from that. From that, background. it's just it's just it's such a different way of driving. Uh, that low downforce just really throws them for a loop. It is, and the only other the only other person, and they didn't have the success that they could have. I believe if Sam Hornish Jr. had stayed in the Xfinity Series, I believe he would have had quite a bit of success in NASCAR, but he didn't, and he didn't have a lot of success in NASCAR. Uh, back to the college situation, you know, they're becoming the GMS racing Absolutely. of the Xfinity Series. Uh, you know, three cars going cup racing in 22 in all likelihood. I do know, uh, I've heard that they are planning on running about 10 races in the cup series this year, uh, road courses and the super speedways. So that'll be interesting to watch as far as who gets those races. Obviously, Almendinger will probably get the uh, road courses, and you figure that Haley would probably yeah. get the super speedways. He's already got a win. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's great. You know, Matt Collig is a guy that owns Lee Filter Gutter Protection. Right. And, you know, you don't see these, I'll call it a, I'll call him a blue-collar businessman coming coming into NASCAR and having the success that he's having. And it's fantastic to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Who was the, and I always remember this, H. Scott Motorsports a few years ago that came in with all the money and had all the beautiful cars, and then the, where are they? Was they? Were they the ones? Yeah, uh, Harry Scott... Um, Actually, it was uh, Steve Turner and Harry Turner, Scott. That's who it was. Turner, Turner Scott, Scott uh, ran in the truck series in the Xfinity series, and I remember vividly. Uh, Ron Hornaday was in the midst of a uh, of a championship, and when it came time to go to Canada to Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, 
they weren't able to go because the the sponsor didn't pay their money. Oh, yeah. You know, I and and, about that. and they had run. I mean, they were in the playoffs of the truck series. Well, right. That stinks. Well, and, if only Ron had been in his CBD business like he is now, he could have definitely. That's right. Funded that uh, Hornco right there in downtown Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, final thought on uh, Ferrucci. I think uh, maybe uh, he he was really good in cars too, alongside Lightning McQueen. And oh. maybe uh, Lightning will give him some a few dirt racing tips out there in Radiator Springs. Uh, so that's uh, that just occurred to me. I believe that was he was the Italian uh, F1 or IndyCar uh, ra- trying to I don't think, take out. Was Lightning it Ferrucci? It was. It was. Uh, We're, I don't. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, okay. I'm gonna. I just wanted to throw. I, I. I liked it. I liked what I did there with that. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just. Uh, I'm looking it up here. It was you know, a Francesco Bernoulli. Yeah, like I said, he well, he just kind of combined the. He just sent, sent, distant cousin. Similar. Yeah. Any, this, anyway, the important thing is they all know Lightning and uh, Mater, and they're gonna be out there in the, uh, in the dirt, uh, getting ready for the Bristol Dirt Race. All right, moving on. To truck series news, John Hunter-Nemechek, apparently not uh, going to Broadway. He is uh, going to be joining Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, in the uh, truck series. Uh, and also we've got Raphael Lassard to uh, GMS Racing, only part-time. And Mike Hillman Jr. Uh, to be the crew chief for Haley Deegan in her rookie season with DGR Crosby, I'm excited. Uh, that's going to be some some good storylines. Uh, Jay uh, John Hunter Nemechek is a good talent. He, pr- he proved that he can he can definitely uh, drive an automobile, uh, a, a car, or a truck. So I think he'll be pretty successful there. Especially uh, Kyle, Bu- Kyle Busch likes to win, and Kyle Busch Motorsports is going to want to be winning as well. And I'm really uh, excited to see Haley Deegan and how uh, she does. And then uh, we've got Raphael Lassard coming over. Um, you know, Haley has had some success and a lot of experience, and uh, she uh, she's been given a, a good opportunity. And uh, Mike Hillman is going to try to uh, steer her and that car to some success in the Truck Series. So, uh, Travis, what are your thoughts on the the Truck Series news coming out lately? The John Hunter news it, it surprised me a little bit. You know, uh, when we found out that he wasn't going to the thirty eight or going back to the thirty eight cart Front Row Motorsports. We were wondering where would he end up, and when I got the news that he is uh, going to drive for Kyle Busch Motorsports, that surprised me a little bit, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Um, You know, Kyle, he's not very patient, okay, and to me, John Hunter is going to have to win pretty quickly, I think, uh, in order to keep that ride because, uh, you know, Lassard only had one win for Kyle. Uh, that was this year at Talladega. And so, you know, I think this brings up a bigger conversation. Is it better to stay in the cup series and run 15th to 25th, or is it better to go back down to the truck series and have a chance to win. I think it's better to go back down to the truck series and have a chance to win. Although we've seen that once a driver gets into the cup series and then goes back down to a lower series, a lot of times it's hard to get back to that point. Andrew, what do yeah, you? Yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder if, 
if this isn't a way to try to work your way into the Gibbs organization, right? I mean, KBM is affiliated with Gibbs, but not in a, not in a way that it, you know, it, it's Toyota and all that, but, but we've seen, you know, the Harrison Burtons of the world go from his trucks into the Xfinity series and, and probably cup soon in the next couple of years. Hmm. So I don't know if it's, it's that, um, I, I was frankly shocked that he went back to truck. I could have seen Xfinity. Um, I was even more shocked actually that they got rid of Lassard. I thought he did a pretty darn good job for a rookie. Um, and I think he's only 19 or 20. They blew that whole team up because Mike Kilman Jr. was his crew chief and now going over to, to Haley Deegan. So I, I do think it's unfortunate that Lassard is only going to get a part-time schedule for GMS because I think he's more talented than that. Um, I think he deserves a full-time truck ride. And talk, back to the patience. Kyle's just not patient. He wants to win. And, you know, he's mentioned before. He mentioned it this season. Well, two seasons ago when Burton drove for him, he's like, you boys, you, know, you better start winning and you're going to be out of a ride. So I think it's a risky gamble for John Hunter, but I think he has a chance to run top five every week, develop some of those skills. And to be honest, how many guys have you seen go from a back marker to a front marker within the Cup Series? I don't think very many. You know, maybe Matty D. Yeah, I Matty mean, D. it's it's not going to happen, I don't think, with front row motorsports. But my thing is the only person winning – on a regular basis in a Kyle Busch motorsports truck is Kyle, Kyle Busch. Bush. So there's either something wrong with the equipment because we know that Kyle can get more than the equipment should get, you know? So what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, who's I, ultimately responsible for that? It, Kyle Busch. Exactly. Well, I, think, right. I think too, let's be fair. I mean, if, if you had used the baseball equation, I mean, ARC is kind of your single A and then truck is double A. I mean, so you're, you're talking about kids that are, I mean, are you really going to, if you're a major league organization in baseball, I mean, it's not exact equivalent, but let's say you're Joe Gibbs. Are you, you going to look at one truck series season and say, I'm not going to develop this kid anymore? I mean, you know, I, I just have a, I have a hard time with Kyle Busch's impatience. Now it's his t- team. He can do what he wants. Uh, and, you know, he has no obligation to Gibbs or anybody else to develop anybody for them. But uh, I think I think he might have, you know, what's he going to do when he decides not to run anymore? So He's going to have a hard time getting people to want to work for him. That's what I mean. Because if you I take mean, a, you a Jack give a kid Russell a, and a Chihuahua uh, together, they've got more patience than Kyle Busch. And those are some pretty damn hyper dogs. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, but I do – I think you're right, though, Michael. I think he's impatient, and I think – is this is this just simply something he does to get enough sponsorship and run enough trucks, you know, have an organization large enough just so that when he wants to step in, he gets to go win a race? Or is this something that he wants to build into an organization that he's going to have when he hangs up the helmet? And and I, I think if it's the latter, he's going to have some splaining to do pretty soon because he sure doesn't give a lot of a lot of, you know, room to for a lot of leash, you know. Well, he's going to have some drivers that are just going to, as they they're willing to take a big risk, knowing that there's going to be a pretty short leash. And he's like, I think he's like like a lot of other superstar athletes, and he is one of the all time, all time greats. They just they they're looking for, they're looking for themselves and others, and it's hard to find when you're that good and that talented and at that level and that pinnacle of the sport. It's hard, you know, it's hard for Michael Jordan to find another Michael Jordan because. There was just one Michael Jordan, and I'm not. Right. I am not saying that Kyle Busch is NASCAR's equivalent to Michael Jordan, but you know, 
Kyle, Kyle Bush is not going to find another Kyle Bush, uh, or the the odds are very low, and he's got to understand that, or he's got to be willing to, if he really wants to develop and 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 grow his company, um, he's going to have to have some patience and spend some time with with these young guys instead of just saying, "Well, y'all going to have to get out there and get it done," because uh, I'm Kyle Bush and that's what I got to say, and and uh, y'all y'all need to get it done, or you're, you're going to be looking for a job. Ain't nobody got time for that. You can't. That's not how Joe Gibbs well, operates. That's not how Dale Jr. operates uh, over in his shop. And, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, and that's not what Hendrick does. I mean, if he had any impatience at all, you, you wouldn't see Bowman or some of those guys sticking around as long as they, as they have. So just, just some comparisons. Yeah. And superstar athletes make terrible general managers. I mean, I mean, look sure. at John Elway. I mean, he's struggling out in Denver. They suck. You know, mm-hmm. and he's not the only example. I mean, Jordan with the Hornets or, you know, in anybody who's had a lot of success, Larry Bird with the Pacers years and years ago, they didn't put together great rosters when he was GM. And and, and, and I think it's hard for, for people that had such a skill set to, to be able to expect that out of kids, you know, that are 18, 19, 20 mm-hmm. in the truck series. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Just to just taking a peek into uh, another lane of motorsports, um, the, the crash, we want to really kind of talk about safety. Uh, the uh, Formula One uh, crash over the weekend, uh, Grosjean uh, and the Haas car. Grosjean. Grosjean. I, I'm I, very French. Thank you, Mister Half Canadian. Um, <clears throat> you definitely got an edge on us there. So it goes under the under the uh, the railing. Uh, nearly uh, probably should have just taken his head right off, but it didn't. Uh, it's amazing that he walked away from that from that fiery crash. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, we've we've seen the footage; just some scary things, um, and uh, some safety features that uh, uh, are important in NASCAR. And some th- a lot of things were changed as a result of the uh, Earnhardt uh, death back in um, two thousand and one. Is that correct? Yes. Two thousand two thousand one. Yes. So I don't believe there has been a a death uh, since then. Um, in 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 NASCAR, a um, lot of lot of changes put in place. Do that. Your safer barriers, your your Hans devices, uh, what have you, um, and then obviously a lot of safety um, advances in uh, the F one series as well. So, what what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think what's interesting is is Formula One's a lot like every other motorsport, and and a lot of safety innovation comes after tragedy. Uh, there's a lot of innovation that happened in the late '80s. This was the first crash with a fire since 1989. Um, there were a ton of safety innovations put in after 92 and Senna's death. And then in 2014, Jules Bianchi, um, during a caution or a full course yellow, uh, they call it a safety car in formula one lost control. And actually the, the, the corner of the bed of the truck he was following, he basically went through the front of his head and that was the start of, we've got to protect driver's heads in formula one. And, and, and the reason we're bringing this up is, there were a lot of drivers and fans and team owners that said it looks stupid, it looks ugly, it doesn't make the racing better, it's not an open, open cockpit, and there was 100% that that halo that they put in two years ago saved Romain Grosjean's life, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the IndyCar series, they'd done the same thing, and there were a couple of races recently, and it wasn't St. Petersburg at the end, it was a couple of the races before that were absolutely the halo made a difference. I think in NASCAR we've gotten I wouldn't say complacent but we've we've gotten that it there hasn't been a, a, a traumatic crash in a while. I think the the ones that come to mind are the Xfinity one with Kyle Busch 
where uh, Daytona and some of the other places put put safer barriers in more places. Well, and Newman at the five hundred. New, Newman uh, at the uh, five hundred. That was amazing. He walked away from that. And and I think one that thing that may have been overlooked a little bit up until I think last year, Travis. Correct me if I'm wrong. NASCAR tracks were responsible for providing the safety workers and training the safety workers. And Roger Penske, I believe it was Penske, came along and said, you guys, we got to step this up. And so now they have the AMR safety teams just like they do in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And they're dedicated. They travel with the series. Because I don't remember which which driver it was who sat on the track for like 90 seconds before any safety team even got to them a couple, you know, about a year, year and a half ago. And so I think there have been some incremental changes. But, but Travis, what do you see like... You know, what's the next big thing? I mean, we've got softer walls. We've made the cars better. We've moved the drivers towards the center of the cars, and you know, and that's going to continue with the next-gen car. Uh, we, we've, we've made the helmets better. The, the fire suits are better. What, what's, sort of the ne- what's sort of looming out there? Can, is there anything that, that sort of pops into your head? Not, you know, not right off the top of my head. You know, like you said earlier, unfortunately, I think it's going to take tragedy to realize that something has to be done. Um, you know, you, and you, it's amazing to me how fast NASCAR reacts. You know, I'm not privy to anything. None of us are, but who knows? NASCAR may have seen that crash, uh, last weekend and they may be implementing something, you know, we don't know. Um, they may implement something into the new car. We know that the car is going to be safer than the current car. Um, but it's, it's interesting, it's interesting and unfortunate how it takes a tragedy to spark change sometimes. Yeah. And of course, NASCAR has fenders and closed cockpit, mm-hmm. which helps. Sure. Uh, I think the, I think the, the next gen composite body is going to help, you know, you're not going to have cut tires as much from fenders. I mean, in Xfinity series, you know, we've seen that you hit the wall, you know, you brush it, you're not going to bend the, the thing in on the tire. Um, so, yeah, we'll be interested to see what NASCAR's, you know, I'm sure that Gene Haas, who owns Grosjean's car in Formula One, is, um, you know, probably going to be communicating with NASCAR about some of the things they've learned about, you know, deceleration and G-force. I mean, Grosjean hit, the, hit that Armco barrier at 53 Gs. And uh, I think 25 Gs can be fatal. So... You know, th- there's a lot to learn. One of the things that we still hadn't figured out is how to stop the brain from moving inside of the head, right? So you can stop the head, but how do you stop the brain? And so, this, you know, soft walls are a great, great example of that. Um, while we're talking F1, and this is not an F1 podcast, but uh, a new some news that came out this week that I think is of interest in the NASCAR world is, you know, NASCAR made it through the season essentially unscathed. Yes, Jimmy Johnson missed a race. A couple other drivers were... Uh, and crews, you know, crew members were, were isolated, but Lewis Hamilton, who's the F1 seven time world champion, 95 race wins is out this week and probably for the final week in, uh, in Abu Dhabi, he's already wrapped it up. They have a traditional point system. He clinched two weeks ago or two races ago. What would NASCAR have done going into Martinsville, Chase Elliott or Brad Keselowski test positive for COVID or what do they do if they get hurt in a bike accident? What's NASCAR do? Does the show just go on? Do they do exemptions? What do you guys think? Travis, do you want to take this one? Or do you you know, it's it's an interesting question. And I don't know what they would do. I don't think you can grant exemptions. The cop-out answer, 
is to say that hopefully by this time next year, we're not going to have to deal with this. You know, that there's going to be a vaccine that, that... Well, what if they were just had, had you know, the stomach flu? You know, we've seen guys not be able to race. It's not common. They go get fluids and whatever. But let's say somebody just has anything. What yeah. happens if it's a cutoff race? Yeah, you know, that's tough. I would think, you know, unfortunately, I think at that point, the team gets to race, but their car is only qualified for the owner's championship because yeah, that's a good point because what are you going to do? You're going to tell all these race fans that have planned this trip for, well, okay, let's, let's think about us. You know, we've been to Homestead before. How would you feel? And and I'm, I know it's selfish to think about the race fan. I get it. But how would you feel if you, if, if NASCAR came up and said, uh, last year or 2019, uh, Kyle Busch has a stomach bug and won't be able to race. We're going to postpone it a week. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, in other sports, they don't do that. Granted, they're team sports. And if you're in an individual sport, golf, tennis, and you're sick or you have something, then you're out. I mean, you forfeit. I do think the owner thing is an interesting point because just like it was in the old point system, there are actually two championships crowned every year. Mm -hmm. And in the Xfinity Series, um, you know, you see it more often that there's a there's a car that, that wins the owners and, and a driver wins the, you know, the driver's title. It would be interesting to see a Final Four where there's actually five cars with something to race for. Yeah, I, I do wonder. Hmm. I don't know. It would be tough, though, because if it was a cutoff race, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, what, it's tough. Well, I, I, mean, th- I think in, I think in um, if, if they're not showing symptoms... I think you, uh, they're the only ones in the car. You, you let them race. You're talking yeah. in terms of COVID. Um, yeah, in yeah. terms of COVID. Uh, and, you know, they're not part, if you if you got a member of the crew, sure. But if it's, it's the driver and they're COVID positive, um, you stick them in the car and make, and they don't, they, they don't get around. Lysol. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you take the precautions and uh, keep them six feet away from everybody. In that situation, I don't think, you know, if you do that in the middle of the season, but if you're at a cutoff race or you're heading to the Phoenix, I think you've got to, it, it can't be an, a black or white thing. Now, let's say he, you know, one of those final four leading into Phoenix were to uh, be out playing basketball and they broke their leg. Well, that's that's on you. You shouldn't have been playing basketball the week before the race yeah. you know something like that or now if they're in a car that's just one of those things it's i think it's on a case-by-case basis and they would have to be careful not to paint themselves into a corner by saying if this happens then we're going to do this they've got to kind of take it on a yeah i, a I think you have basis. to go with the show must go on i i, I think even with COVID, I, I i think they got well i won't call it lucky they did put a lot of procedures in place mm-hmm. and, and, and oh yeah and they you know so let's call it managed luck but i do think if you look at the NBA season, you look at the MLB season. Now, granted, those are a little more team sports, but there's they had some instances there, and NASCAR really didn't. And I think that does speak to NASCAR. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think there was some luck there that they they didn't have to have this problem. And I think moving forward, you're not going to have it much. I mean, you like I say, it's going to be a physical injury that puts somebody out. I would imagine that if you're in a cutoff race, no matter how bad you feel, you're getting in the car couple things to remember and then we can put this to bed one forget covid let's forget covid for a second because uh l- l- remember 
that a driver only has to run one lap. And if they start the race, yeah, that's right. they get credit for whatever points okay, are so that's accumulated. Okay, so that's still in place. I was that's gonna, still that in was place. On, I was going to ask that. Okay, yeah, yeah that's this, where Daryl got number 85. He won the race, but he didn't start it, so he right. doesn't get he it didn't in the get credit for it. The second thing to remember is if it happens during the regular season, you can get an exemption. NASCAR is probably going to give you an exemption, like Kyle Busch did it. Day, you know where he came back. Now you still have to make it on points. Yes, you still have to be win in a race. the top thirty and win a and race. And win a race, but you're probably you're probably going to get that exemption unless you were just. Well, okay. and if it's, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it turns out that Kyle Busch was deserving of, of that that year. He went on to win win the title. Yeah, well, I and, was going to use Kyle Larson as an example. He got fired by Ganassi, but I'm not sure. That, that was he, a little more he, difficult. He, he would yeah. not have gotten the exemption, I don't believe. I but, don't, but Denny Hamlin, who tore his ACL, probably would have. Yes, yes. Even though it was he, doing basketball. Even though he was playing basketball. He, he's one of the top guys in the sport. You have to give it to him. Uh, the other thing that I was going to say is that, um, you know, Going back to COVID for a second, NASCAR didn't require testing. And so, you know, they left it in the in the driver's hands. You know, you feel sick, you go get tested. You know, if you if you're if you're sick and you don't go get tested, there's a chance you shut the whole sport down. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there was there was incentive there. Sure. But I, I like how NASCAR handled the whole thing. Well, you didn't have the idiosyncratic positive tests with no symptoms and yada 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 right right so um and I, if i'm and if i'm uh, chase elliott i'm waking up on uh race day morning with a with a scratchy throat i'm not telling us not telling I'm anybody, not telling anybody. <laughs> and look we not a thing back in the day before there were exemptions i think it was ricky rudd raced with his eyes taped open Yes, you yes, know, he did. Uh, drivers race that was with a, day, a different day. Of time. Drivers race with stomach bugs. Yep, you know it's. Well, there was a race at Watkins Glen where Tony Stewart had to go from the car to the hauler and change his uniform because he had. Yeah, with about five laps to go, his stomach bug had decided it Captain had waited. Poopy pants, yeah, struck yeah. for again. sure. Yes, yeah. for sure. So. Well, and on that note, maybe we should <laughs> wrap that topic up. Yeah, yeah, that happened to me just now. And um, Travis, you wanted to talk uh, a little bit about uh, some manufacturing stats, I believe. Uh, so let's uh, let's finish it off with that, if if you like. Sure, Michael. Thank you. Uh, just an interesting thing that I saw. Uh, actually, uh, it was on the uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel ninety. Uh, by the way, if you're not a Sirius XM subscriber, that's a great. Uh, channel uh, they 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 give out tons of great information um, but a couple couple of weeks ago they 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 talked about manufacturers and what was more important was it the driver's championship or the manufacturer's championship and you might say well d- it depends on who you ask which it does you know if the the manufacturer is going to say well Obviously, that's important to us, but the driver's also going to say the driver's championship. But the stats that I wanted to bring out, we all know that Chase Elliott won the driver's championship, drives a Chevrolet. All right, Chevrolet won nine races this year. Okay, Toyota won nine races this year. Ford won 18 races this season. You're my boy, Blue! but did not win the championship. So my question is, what's more important, 
are the are more wins more important than a championship? And then who's the top manufacturer in the sport right now? Andrew, we'll start with you. Yeah, I remember in the 90s, Chevy used to boast about how many manufacturers' titles they had won. Now, when you have people like Waltrip and Labonte and Earnhardt driving for you, Jeff Gordon, it's pretty easy to rack those up because a lot of those mm-hmm. wins... Um, and there wasn't the parity that there is now. So you had a lot more guys with six or more wins in a season. I remember 89 season, you know, there were guys with wins all over the place. I think um, it's interesting in terms of the manufacturers, they're going to care about who wins the most races um, because they're going to say statistically that says who's the best car, who's the best, the be- you know, but if you break it down and look at, the drivers behind those cars, what tracks they're winning at. Um, you know, if one of the manufacturers hits on the mile and a half package, you know, they're, they're probably going to win 10 or 12 races. And so I think in terms of the fan though, manufacturer doesn't mean what it used to be, at least in what I, what I see. I mean, when you go to the tracks, you don't see as many Chevy and Ford hats. You see so much more driver stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. it, it used to be 20, 25 years ago. It was all about, well, I can't pull for that guy who drives a Ford. I, I don't hear newer fans or younger fans saying that anymore. And so, to me, I, I think um, there's a couple reasons. One is I think the manufacturers have changed a fair amount. You know, Toyota's come in. You know, you've got Pontiac and Buick that left, Oldsmobile that left. That's one thing. And, and then secondly, um, because we've gone to a chase and then to a playoff, there's much more to talk about in the last four or five or six races than there ever used to be. It used to be two guys going into the last five races. What else are you going to talk about to fill four hours of airtime? You're going to talk about manufacturers' championships. I don't recall it even being brought up in the Phoenix finale that Ford had already clinched that. It probably was at some point. Mm-hmm. But I think now, unless you're trying to sell vehicles and want to say, you know, Ford has won 30 of the 75 manufacturers championships in NASCAR. I don't think anybody cares. What do you think, Michael? No, I, I mean, I think, and it used to be, they're, they're, the cars are so close these days. You know, it, it's hard. I mean, if you look really closely, uh, you can tell there's some, some definite differences, but you used to be able to see from quite a distance. So, well, that's a Ford and that's a Chevrolet. I mean, the body styles are different. There are a lot of differences, but they're very similar these days. And I don't, and you know, <clears throat> one of the big things years ago was a, a win on Sunday uh, sold cars on Monday. And that was the whole, that was really what drove a lot of, uh, it was one of the factors uh, behind the organization of of the sport and, and legitimizing it and, and, and putting a, um, a governing body behind it. And to, to drive, you know, and, and get it down to certain manufacturers, make sure that the, the cars were, um, so you didn't have guys winning races by four or five laps over everybody else. And they're, they're, you know, more standardizing, more stocking the cars. Uh, so you can't just, I, I can't go take my Chevrolet Traverse out and race it on the racetrack, you know, and, and I right. can't go buy a ra- I can't go buy Chase's, uh, car that he won in at the Chevrolet. I can't go down to Randy Marion and say I'd like to. Ca- I'd like to buy that car that Chase won in. I can't. Now you used to be able to do that, you know, years ago. But I don't think it. I, you know, because they're so similar, I don't think it matters. And, and as much. I think yeah, you look at if you go to the Charlotte <clears throat> NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, you'll see a real neat display of the King's '92 
Pontiac and a street 92 Pontiac, and they are the yes. same length, right. the same body design. Mm-hmm. It's identical. I think a couple of things. One, the car market is so much different than it was 30 years ago. And secondly, most people don't drive coupes and sedans. What do they drive? They drive minivans and SUVs, mm-hmm. and right. those don't make great race cars. That's a good point. So I think... I think to your, in my answer, I think it sounds like both of us, Travis. I don't think anybody cares about the number of wins by a manufacturer except the manufacturer. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that Ford had double the wins of the other two manufacturers. Well, it is, yeah. And yet they didn't win the championship. But they um, had two cars in it. They did. They did. And they what's had, interesting, too, is they only had two cars in the whole Xfinity series. Yes, that's phenomenal. Which, you know, that, that development program, now granted... The cars aren't identical. It's not like they're, you know, but but it is interesting that there was two one-car teams for Ford in the all of Xfinity, and yet they won half of the races Yeah, in, uh, in the Cup Series. All right. Well, some uh, vivacious and engaging conversation this week on blind spotting, and we're going to wrap it up right there. Thank you so much for joining us on this, uh, at the beginning of this December. It's hard to believe we're in December of 2020, but uh, in many ways, we are eager to see it come to a close. Not to wish away time, but man, it's been a doozy of a year, and we're excited about the 2021 race season. 75 days. Yeah, 75 days till Daytona, baby, sunshine. 70 and days till the clash. That's right. Show it to me. All right. Thank you for joining us. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Blind Spotting NASCAR, capital N A S C A R. And we appreciate ch- listening to us on a variety of platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. So check us out on any any of those. And thank you so much, as always, for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed hearing us as much as we enjoyed being here and sharing our thoughts with you. Until next time, it's Michael Colbreth signing off on behalf of Andrew Coates and Travis Sherrill. And this was Blind Spotting. You got a wild in your eyes that I just wasn't born with. I'm a same gas station cup of coffee in the morning. I need a house on a hill, girl, not in them. So hang on to these words to them avenues to help you forget them. Cause I love you more than a California sunset. I love you more than a $20 sundress. Hate that loaded down car you got your keys in. Girl, but I hate even more that you're leaving. Cause I love you more than a feeling when the bass hits a hook. When the guy gets a girl at the end of the book. But that ain't you and me, so I guess. Love you more than my hometown